This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Finance Talk back, and today Barry Preston is talking to Terry McCran. First thing we normally bring up with you, and you bring us up the data, interest rates. We've had a lot of increases, but they seem to have stopped for a while. What's on the horizon, do you think? Well, that's the easy question, Barry. The, uh, the Reserve Bank paused, as we know, after its last meeting at the beginning of the month, and it will pause again when it meets next at the beginning of July. That's fairly clear that it's going to deliver at least two months with no change. Mm-hmm. Then the next question becomes August, Barry. That's when the issue is then posed. What the Reserve Bank wants to do is look at the inflation figures that come out at the end of July, and provided they are reasonable, it would probably pause again. So um, we, 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 we can be pretty confident no rate rise until then at the earliest. So maybe July, if uh, all the figures are... If the figures are good in, Ju- in July, this probably won't be one in August, so watch this space, obviously. Well, they're, they're, they're balancing two things, Barry. Obviously, their primary task, and we've got to keep reminding people this, their primary task is to ensure that inflation doesn't take off. So that's their, that's where their major focus. But they're also, obviously, concerned about keeping the economy ticking over reasonably, in reasonable shape. So they're balancing both of those things. Mm. And taking account of what's happening in the global environment. And uh, so it's a mix of those two things which will, which will make the decision. Talking about the global environment, we seem to be, well, the only Western country increasing rates. What about China? I think they did increase. But do if other countries increase their rates, does it have much effect on the Australian uh, rate uh, situation? Uh, normally we would have said yes, Barry, in, in days gone by. Uh, there is one qualification to that. New Zealand, our neighbour, last week increased its rate. It's a lot lower than us, but it did start to move. And uh, obviously, if other countries like the European countries, like the United States, started lifting their rates, uh, that would mean that their economies are in better shape than they are now. So that, that would be, in a sense, a signal of good times, that we'd actually be getting uh, support and help from a stronger uh, economy in the United States and Europe. But obviously, again, then, uh, Mm. if that starts to impact on the way money flows around the world, that can obviously have an impact on the level of rates back here in Australia. Talking about money flow, banks, uh, local banks, have indicated their wholesale costs are increasing. Is it because government wholesale guarantee is gone or just plain pricing for risk where in the boom years nobody seemed to worry about risk they didn't price for risk is it either of those that's a good question barry i think it's a bit of both that yes they've got to now stand on their own two feet the the government guarantee so far as wholesale just to stress that so far as the wholesale deposits are concerned is now no longer operating it's still there for retail deposits for for your listeners put their money in the bank that's still absolutely guaranteed so, yes, the fact that the guarantee is gone, so it's no longer in effect the 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 uh, the government, the, the bank's buying, but the government. Uh, so it, they're back to buying on their own behalf. But secondly, yes, uh, there's a little bit of you know uncertainty out there now in the wake of what's happened in Greece, yes. uh, which uh, make, make people a little more cautious, and that's pushing up the, the, the cost of the funding that they rely on. 
Terry, there is always a certain amount of scepticism with people when they see CPI figures uh, reasonably low. When we consider that local government rates are increasing, health costs are going up, electricity costs are hitting us, these are the main causes, they say, uh, that are affecting people's budget. Of course, our politicians seem to be sitting back and not doing or making much comment about those increases. So this scepticism from the general public, is it warranted? Well, it is, Barry. It's, um, this, this is a very difficult question of what exactly does the CPI measure. Now, the CPI measures what's called a basket of goods and services. So the CPI tries to capture the general things that we spend money on, the local government services, power, electricity, uh, gas and so on, and consumer goods, um, health costs as well. So... Everybody has a slightly different basket, obviously. If you're old, you have a different basket than if you're young. If you're buying a house, you have a different basket to if you've uh, you know, long since bought your house or, or, or are retired. Mm. So individuals can say, well, that doesn't really tell me the reality of my life. I go to the supermarket and I see prices going up more than the, the so-called low inflation or indeed uh, health costs are going up. But um, So it's, it's probably not a good guide to individual inflation, but it's, it's, it's as best we can get to sort of getting a general p- picture of inflation in the community overall. But um, I think you put your finger on another point which is important, but a lot of things that, the things that governments are doing are forcing up the costs of people for individuals, like power costs, like gas costs, like local government charges. So um, I think we should hold them accountable for, for the decisions they make, which, which increase the, the cost of living for, for all Australians. And it seems, I'm going to use the word quite, quite ludicrous, that if these things are impacting on people's budgets, the local government health costs, electricity costs and so forth, they're increasing, which increases the CPI, which forces the Reserve Bank to increase interest rates. It seems like a treadmill, like a rat on a treadmill. Oh, it can be. It can be, babe, but... The Reserve Bank is, is a little more sophisticated than that. It doesn't just react uh, instinctively to higher recorded inflation. It takes, it takes a more sophisticated look at what's driving it. And if there are one-off charges, that, uh, increases that are caused by government, if you go back, we go back to the introduction of the GST mm. in 2000, that had a big impact on the CPI. But the Reserve Bank sensibly saw that as just a one-off that wants mm. to go to feed into general inflation, so it was much more, it held off on, on, on severe rate rises. So uh, the, the worry the Reserve Bank always has is if these sorts of increases feed into higher wages, if unions and, and just workers generally can go out and get higher wages to pay for these increased costs, that's when you really are likely to get on an inflation treadmill. Mm. Kerry, I was reading recently one of your columns, you mentioned that uh, uh, if a bad number comes out, the underlying measure, not the headline rate. What were you meaning with those two, the underlying measure and not the headline rate? Again, good question, Barry. The Reserve Bank focuses not on the headline rate because the headline rate can have these one-off impacts that, uh, that are not going to be repeated. So it looks at more sophisticated measures of the underlying inflation, what, what is actually entrenched in the system. Uh, and it takes a, takes a couple of complicated measures of how they, you arrive at these numbers. So you will see often um, the, the inflation rate appear to fall, mm. but that's, that's misleading because some big cost that was there previously is no longer there, and the Reserve Bank looks through that. So 
again, when we get to August, uh, after seeing those inflation numbers, we'll have a much better guide because we'll, we'll, we'll look at that underlying inflation rate to whether the Reserve Bank will regard that as a, a warning signal and therefore needing to put up rates, or it'll be more concerned about uh, main, making sure that the economy keeps ticking over. Life was once upon a time uh, quite less complicated than what it is now. <laughs> You're listening to Finance Talk Back, and Barry Preston, we have one of our very favouritest guests with us today, Terry McCran. We certainly do, one of uh, Australia's best-known uh, commentators on finance and also political commentary. Terry, we're now looking at the stimulus package. We, I continue to get messages on this. Are we near the end of this package, this uh, stimulation, do you think? Uh, yes and no, Barry. I mean, there is, there, is, there is still supposedly quite a significant part of the schools program to still roll out. Uh, but beyond that, that's it. Uh, so, no, it won't continue beyond that. Uh, it's been a very big exercise. We've had something like $16 billion in the school package, $2 billion or nearly $2 billion in the insulation, which is probably going to end up at $3 billion as <laughs> we take all the insulation out. Put in. um, I mean, John Maynard, John Maynard Keynes, the famous economist, uh, argued that in, in the Depression in the 1930s that uh, a good idea would be to pay people to dig holes and then pay some other people to fill them up again. Um, I didn't think we'd actually see that as we're seeing that with the insulation package. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not very sensible. It hasn't been very sensible. I think I would make two general comments about the whole stimulation package, Barry. But number one, any time a government says we're going to write out big checks to people, you're inevitably going to get rorting. You're inevitably going to get people coming along wanting to, uh, mm. wanting to grab as much money as they can. And we've seen that in both the the insulation exercise and the uh, and the uh, building program, and secondly, again, although it hasn't been as bad in Australia as in other countries, you spend all this money. What do you end up with, Barry? You end up with a lot of government debt. That's right. Is that a problem going forward? Now it's not as bad in Australia as it is in countries like Greece, because we thankfully we started with no debt uh, when uh, back in two thousand and eight. So. Uh, our problem with this hasn't got to anywhere near the, the level that uh, it has been in, in the, particularly in these European countries. And of course the National Broadband Network, would you consider that to be part of the stimulus package? Because I'm hearing from people say, look, if they dig up the front of my street, I don't want to be attached to this nat- National Broadband Network. And I've heard it from a lot of people, they're not interested, if it's any more than their current fixed line telephone. Well, exactly. It, no, it's not, it was not intended to be part of the stimulus package. But I'd regard it as even more insane, Barry. I mean, the government has decided it wants to spend up to $43 billion mm. over the next eight years, as you say, digging up streets, stringing spaghetti from, from uh, uh, electricity poles. And the evidence in Tasmania where they started this exercise is that maybe one in ten people actually want what uh, is being promised. So... Um, it's, it's, it's something that I think is another gross waste of money. Surely they'll uh, look at that. And, and that will increase our, increase our debt. Mm, dear, oh dear. Look, uh, government spending like that is not really good for the long-term economy because it's a false economy, is it not? People are getting government jobs or government money. It's not really developing the strong economy we need. Well, not that sort of... I think, as a general proposition, 
uh, spending money on infrastructure is good for the oh, economy. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the infrastructure, and, and if the national broadband network was intelligently designed and and done on a basis of of of, of a sensible spending of money and a sensible expansion of the the, the telecommunications network, it would provide a, a a useful foundation for the sort of things you're talking about for normal business activity, normal consumer activity. Mm. Uh, but we've spent all this money on these projects, which, you know, $43 billion was intended on the National Broadband Network, $16 billion on the schools. A lot of that money could have been better spent on ports, on on rail, railroads, on the roads, uh, and indeed on new power stations. And uh, all of that would have been much more effective in in putting the foundation for, for the economy going forward. Mm, interesting. We say that our economy is in fairly good shape, but I'm reading that the retail sales are starting to fall and consumer costs, as they go up, of course, belt tightening should be done where people, the consumers, are, uh, are basically sensible anyway. What do you feel about the Australian economy? It's hard to judge, Barry. I think there are signs, exactly as you state, that things are getting a bit soft, uh, and I'd be concerned about that. Um, there are other signs that suggest that things are still going well. Um, I think, again, this comes back to the Reserve Bank, not only in terms of the Reserve Bank deciding on interest rates, but the Reserve Bank is probably the best source of analysis to, 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 to put all this together and to give us a much clearer picture of, of what's actually happening in the economy. And uh, it's very wise to watch what they say, quite apart from what they do with interest rates. And uh, they've indicated that, I think the economy is pretty in pretty good shape, mm. certainly not booming, no. uh, and uh, that um, that uh, there are some areas of sogginess. Interesting. We're talking with Terry McCran about the uh, Australian economy, and now we're going to have a look at some world economies. China, uh, can Australia weather any more external shocks like China slowing down if it does. I'm reading that there are huge shopping centres in China. I read one where there's 168,000 square metres approximately, full of shops, goods, but no one goes there. A big, big question mark, Barry, for two reasons. China's become the most important thing in our future. We used to say that if America sneezed, we'd catch cold. Uh, and the last three years, it's demonstrated that provided China is strong and the economy is strong, uh, we will be in pretty good shape uh, compared to other countries. And uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer that day. Mm. I, I'd be concerned exactly about whether they're actually building a really, a really sustainable economy because that sort of system is able to uh, go out and build huge new dams and power stations and indeed shopping centres doesn't necessarily mean that the consumers are there to spend it. Whereas in, in our market economy, uh, people make in, people make individual investment decisions. Yeah. They, you know, they might not always work out, but you've got a better sense that they'll only do so if there's actually a market for what they're doing. In the Chinese case, they can just decide to build a new city uh, and uh, move people into it, but does that necessarily mean it's, it's actually real? So... Yes, it's you know we, we we're going to find out in the next few years just what China how China is going. When we look around, we've seen it so many times before. Um, it, there appears to be some cracks forming in the uh, Chinese economy, but if we see 
evidence of banks going out and lending money willy-nilly. Uh, obviously, their credit quality becomes tainted uh, and following big lending sprees, in come the bad debts. Now, that's apparently what's happening in China at the moment. The banks have been lending willy-nilly. Uh, we've seen it so many times before. Well, they've, got, they've also got their own version of the property bubble that we've had in Western countries. Uh, extraordinarily sharp, dramatic rises in, in uh, property prices. Uh, and they are trying to cool that. Now, quite apart from whether they, they actually have a real strong economy in, in the sense that we think of it, uh, it's, they've embarked on a very dangerous course of trying to maintain a, an underlying economic boom while pumping down on these banks' excessive lending. And as you say... Uh, they may end up with the same sort of banking mess that uh, we saw in the United States and Europe. And if that happens, obviously, that would uh, have a dramatic impact on, the, on their economy and through them on our economy. Finance Talkback and Barry Preston talking with Terry McCran. We're talking about the world. Well, we certainly are, Terry. And we're now going to look at some of the, <coughs> pardon me, some of the other economies that uh, once upon a time never ever even uh, were mentioned in the Australian press, radio, or TV and so forth. But we hear of Greece, uh, should we say, near bankruptcy, Hungary in strife, a UK with uh, huge problems, uh, the USA, of course, Japan's very quiet, and India you never hear much about. But first, Let's have a look at Greece. The, f- the, c- the, uh, the finances over there seems to be a real dog's breakfast where uh, Greece is borrowed from Italy, Germany, and it's also lent money to Spain and Hungary. What- what's going on over there? Well, Barry, it all looks pretty grim. Um, what we've seen, I think, in Europe is, is the really peak of com- countries and people living beyond their means. And Greece is the sort of archetype example of this where they've got this extraordinarily generous, employment retirement situation for their public servants. Uh, you can retire at an extraordinarily young age and get a very high pension. And all of this is now catching up with them because the way they've funded that, the way they've paid for that over the years is by borrowing and running huge deficits. And so you've got the situation where they've got huge deficits, huge debts, and investors, and by investors we mean that the, the people that manage money around the world are no longer prepared or no longer prepared to risk buying those 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 Greek Greek government bonds, and so the rest of Europe has had to guarantee them and to, and to bail them out. Which, as you say, ultimately means Germany, because Germany is the only really strong economy in Europe, the only one that actually runs a conservative and and and, and, and rational economic policies. And after Greece, there's Spain. After Spain, there's Portugal. After Portugal, there's Italy. All of which if not quite as bad as Greece, have the same sort of uh, issues. Of they've been living beyond their means. They've been running up huge debts. And I don't think that uh, this can ultimately all be carried by Germany, which, of course, would end up, must end up upsetting the German taxpayer because why should the German taxpayer pay high taxes and, and, uh, and uh, take on huge debts just to ensure that Greek public servants and Spanish public servants can enjoy generous retirement benefits. So mm. there'll be a huge unravelling, if you like, of what's been happening in Europe over the next five years. And they're all now having to tighten their belts, which means their economy will be will, will generally will be in a state of sort of semi-recession for many years. 
It is a concern when you look around, and I've got some figures here. I'll just mention a couple of countries. If you look at the United States with the uh, external debt of $13.4 trillion, but that's equivalent to 43700 per person. You become and going up by by you know nearly a trillion dollars every year. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to do something about that soon. Now, one of the biggest problems I think we should be looking to not look towards, but uh, that uh, could be in the news soon is the United Kingdom. It has nine trillion dollars, and that's equivalent to one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars US per person. Australia nearly a nearly a trillion. It's got $920 billion, $42,000 per person, where you look at Canada with a much bigger population, $800 billion, $24,000 per person. Of the best of them, would you believe, is Japan with $2 trillion and only $16,000 per person. Yes. Well, I mean, all those figures are just mind-boggling. Oh, they are. Hmm. And, they, and they sort of capture the fact, because what do those deficits mean? What do those debts mean? As I say, they mean we've been living beyond our means. We've been borrowing to, to cover the difference between what we spend and what we earn, uh, whether, it's, whether it's individuals with our credit cards, whether it's uh, companies, whether it's countries. And all of that has to... Has to we just can't keep that music playing forever. Now, I'm certainly not going to try and uh, give chapter on verse on how it's all going to work <laughs> out. But Nobody it can. Mean, it does mean some period... Of austerity, it does mean some period of of, of tightening your belt and uh, and 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 paying down those debts, or at least not letting them grow. Terry, uh, before you go, and we're getting <clears throat> close to running out of time, I've got to ask you this question. The resources tax. Someone had to ask you this question. Much emphasis is placed on the resources boom and now the tax. In your opinion, did the announcement of the super tax uh, affect the share prices and obviously superannuation funds? It, it's clearly had some impact, Barry. It's clearly had some impact on the share prices, particularly of companies like BHP, and Rio Tinto, which are very important, obviously, in people's superannuation uh, portfolios, even if they personally don't realise that, because it's that's part of a bigger portfolio managed by uh, a fund manager. Uh, it hasn't had a big, as big an impact as it could have, Barry, because we've had a we've had a brief period of, of sort of bullishness in the financial market in the last few weeks. So, I think that's probably disguised to some extent, the potential impact of the resources tax if we ever got the tax as proposed. I don't think anybody anywhere, including Kevin Rudd, thinks that we will actually end up with this resources tax that he, he's proposed. It will have to be changed. Uh, I would hope that it's changed in a way that's sensible, that does give the taxpayer a bigger share of the resources wealth. Mm -hmm. Of course, it continues, because that, again, depends on what we're talking about with China. Uh, and on the other hand, doesn't kill the goose that lays the golden egg. So it doesn't, it's not so punitive that uh, companies just stop uh, looking for new minerals and, and investing and developing them. Terry, within a few words, can you describe how it works? <laughs> the resources tax? Yeah. Well, uh, very simply, Barry, it's, it's saying that uh, after a certain level of profit, in terms of the profit you make in relation to how much you've spent on developing a project, after that you have to pay 40% of the profit above that, that, that very low threshold. Uh, uh, and that would be the resources tax. And um, 
there are all sorts of problems with that. Uh, the threshold is too low. It's the long-term bond rate. I don't think anybody, any any sensible person would think earning 6% on their money no. is the super profits territory. No way. Absolutely. Terry, look, we've run out of time. You sound as though you're in the country somewhere. I am, yes. I'm uh, out in the fresh air, Barry, so uh, I hope the listeners have been able to hear me. I heard a magpie there a moment ago. Yes, no, it's been pretty good. Thank you very much indeed. Look, on behalf of 2NURFM 103.7 and all the listeners in the in the beautiful Hunter Valley, we thank you very much indeed for uh, allowing us to pick your brain and explain things in a very sensible and uh, and simple manner. Terry, look after yourself. Keep safe and we'll... Uh, Barry, all the best, your listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry McCran.